Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church exists to lead people towards a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. We hope that this message will encourage you and inspire you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy this week's message from Pastor Lauren Foster. I want to look at a passage of scripture here this morning where Christ displayed servant leadership in an incredible way. We're going to look in John's gospel in John 13 here in just a minute. And what we're going to see is we're going to see how Christ was washing the disciples' feet. And why that is so relevant to us here today when it comes to servanthood is that Christ was, in essence, displaying servant leadership. So when Jesus was washing feet, he's asking for us to do the same. In other words, to simply serve others. Let's look at this passage in John 13, starting in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2 says, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So just to unpack this and just to let you know what was going on, what was taking place, Jesus is about to give his life. He's about to go to the cross, and this week had to have been incredibly difficult for our Lord and Savior. Because earlier, if you look through Scripture, on Monday, he's basically going into the temple courts. He's clearing everybody out and telling the the ones that are in that space that my Father's house is going to be a place of worship, not a place of profit. This isn't a place to be a den of thieves. And on Tuesday, he's confronting religious leaders. Wednesday, we're not really quite sure what took place, but we know on Thursday that Jesus is gathering his closest friends in a room, and he's sharing his final speech before he goes to the cross. It's a very intimate moment with those that are closest to him because he's talking about how his body's going to be broken, how he's going to have to shed his blood. He's giving the example of bread and wine. He's talking through the idea of communion. And to put it in perspective, the weight that Christ had to have been feeling in that moment because the very next day he's going to be beaten, he's going to be betrayed, and he's going to be tortured and hung on a cross for your sins and for mine. And in the middle of this moment the disciples break out in an argument. In fact, one says, hey, I wonder who's the greatest. So in this moment where Jesus is about to go to the cross, he's trying to have a a moment of, of truth with his closest friends. One of them gets prideful, just like all of us do at times, and, and starts to look around the room, just says, hey, I wonder who's the greatest between all of us. And you know that John was probably speaking up at that moment and saying, well, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the beloved, so of course I'm, I'm his favorite. But then you know in that moment, Peter would have stepped up and he would have said something too. But yeah, John, you might be loved and everybody else is loved too, but I'm the only one that walked on the water. And he would have been bragging about it too. And then another disciple would have spoken up and probably cut Peter off and said, yeah, Peter, but you sank. <laughs> you didn't make it very far. And then there would have been this argument, and clearly there was some pride and ego taking place. And you can imagine Jesus thinking to himself when that question was being asked amongst his disciples, who is the greatest? Christ had already answered that question. He already told them who the greatest was. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he said, the greatest is the one who will be your servant. Jesus had told him, I did not come to be served by others, but I came to serve you to lay down my life as a ransom 
for many. So in this final meal before Jesus goes to the cross, in a room with his closest friends, he sees pride and he sees dirty feet. He sees proud hearts and dirty feet. And look what Christ does after all of this is taking place and what's transpired in verse 4 of John 13. So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. And Jesus began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the, t- the towel that was wrapped around him. Why did Christ wash his disciples' feet? Well, because this was customary. This was common courtesy when you came into someone's home in Jesus' day. For example, if you were to come into our home and you were to walk in, of course we would greet you. We'd want to take your jacket, your coat. And my wife, being Italian, she would want to cook you some food. She would want you to eat. We're going to have a good time. You're going to come in. You're going to eat food. You're going to come into my house. That's my Italian accent. Come on, give me some credit here. But she would, she would want to feed you. She would want to make you feel welcome. She would want to make you feel at home. This is basically the, the custom of the day was you'd be greeted with a kiss on the cheek and then someone would offer to wash your feet. But it's important to note that the host would never be the one washing the feet of the guest that was about to enter. Because the owner of the home would have always had someone there to do that task. In essence, essentially the host was saying, I'm going to show you how important I am because I have someone else here to do this menial task. And listen, if you ever came over our home, the last thing ever that you would hear from either one of us is that we're going to be willing to wash your feet because feet are absolutely disgusting. In fact, if, if you expose your feet to me, you're no longer welcome at this church. I just want you to know that. You need to keep your socks on. But this would have been common in Jesus' day. This would have been the custom that was taking place. And Jesus is at this final meal the night before he's about to give his life. And the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the best of the best? Who's the one that has more favor with Christ? And in that moment... Jesus puts on a slave's apron. He starts filling a container with water and the disciples, they had to have known in that moment what was about to take place. And I can't even give you a good example of what it would have been like to be in that room with Christ. Think of the person maybe that you admire the most or that you would hope one day that you could meet, whether it be a politician, whether it be a celebrity, someone that you respect, and all of a sudden they come to your door You are welcoming them in, and the first thing that they want to do is wash your feet when they enter your house. It wouldn't happen. Or they want to do something like clean your toilet or do something that just, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to serve me in that way. This is exactly what's taking place. But you have to remember, this is our Redeemer. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He stoops down, Jesus, in that moment, and he does something that is reserved for the lowest of the low in society. He sees a need, and right there in that moment, Jesus says, I'm going to meet that need. In fact, if you dig deeper into that passage of Scripture, theologians believe that Christ was trying, trying to draw out the point that not only was he king, was, he ma- was his majesty present in that very moment, but that's exactly the reason why, because of his majesty, that he was willing to 
to wash his disciples' feet and serve them in a way that they did not expect. Really what Christ was trying to say is that there is no need too small or insignificant for me to meet. I came to be a servant to all. The feet are dirty. And the greatest one, as Jesus said, is the one who will be your servant. He knelt down and he washed feet. I'll just use myself as an example. There have been times I've seen needs around me, whether it be in church or in the community at times as a believer. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when needs come up or a need is communicated, it can almost seem like, you know what? You know, I know that's a need, but I don't know. It just feels a little beneath me or it's not really in my wheelhouse. It's not really in my skill set. In fact, I'm too busy to meet that particular need. One of the things that I would encourage you, that I'm trying to train myself in, but this is a great exercise even for your own life, is that whenever you hear of a need that's present, when something is communicated, it may be a great opportunity for you to pray and just ask the Lord, God, is this an assignment that you have for me to do? I know there's this need. I'm hearing it being presented. God, is that something that you would want me to, to take on? Is that an assignment that you have for me personally in my life? So it helps to answer this question that we're looking at today. How can I serve like Christ? And if you're taking notes, you can write this first point down. The first thing that we do is we have to see the need. We have to see the need, just like Jesus did. And the longer I'm in ministry, we've been in full-time ministry over 15 years, I'm noticing this more and more is very simply, ministry is just meeting practical needs. That's really what it is. It's being able to see the needs in front of us and saying, God, I think this is something that you want me to address, something that you want me to own. I remember years ago when I first came into my relationship with Christ, I was in seventh grade and I was getting involved in a student ministry. That's where my wife and I met. And I remember at that particular time, uh, there was a woman named Debbie. She headed up our drama department at our church for the youth. And she had communicated that they had a need for different students to help out in this one stage production that we were doing for the church. And so I was excited. I'm like, I don't know anything about church. and I'd love to help out and do something. And so, you know, everybody auditioned. And after the audition was over, she was going around to each student letting them know who made it. And so I ended up being a part of this production, and I was so excited. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to be in it. And she told me, she's like, Lauren, you're going to be a Roman soldier. You're going to be standing there guarding the cross, and you're going to have a a spear in your hand. I'm like, awesome. I get to hold a spear at church. This is great. And I'm standing there, and and I remember they had a, a hood that I had to wear, and I was completely masked, and I was unseen, and there was no speaking part involved at all. I was just standing in place. But I could tell you that that was my first opportunity to help just meet a need that was communicated. And I was thrilled to be standing there. I mean, you couldn't even see my face because I was completely covered. But I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to stand here. My chest is going to be out. I'm going to do the best I can do. And even though it didn't seem glamorous, it was, if there's a spot to fill, I'm going to do it. If there's a need in front of me, I'm going to do my best to meet it. My mentality at the time, and I think some, some of us, we might feel the same way. It's like, God, I don't really know how much I have to offer, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. Lord, if you would just take what's in my hands, if I will give it to you, you can use it, and you can use it for your glory. However you feel that it needs to be used, Lord, I'm yours. And I would just encourage you, challenge you, dare you to do that with with God in your life and just begin to ask him, God, give me eyes to see the needs that are around me. 
Give me ears to hear when I sense that there's a need that can be met. Lord, is this something that you are asking for me to do? Is this an assignment that you have for me to meet? And often what I've noticed too is that when that need is presented, it can almost feel like it is beneath me. It's not something that's worth my time. One of the first opportunities that I had to serve within our church outside of that role where I was standing as a masked soldier was I was a janitor at our church when I was 16 years old. And so I'm the guy that was walking around vacuuming the rooms and cleaning out trash and spills in all of the nursery rooms and, and cleaning up. And it was just, it was, it, was, it was work behind the scenes that nobody saw what was taking place. But what I noticed that moment in my life when I look back is that God was preparing me in private for what he would do one day in public. And when it comes to the whole idea of serving, I think many of us, when, we, when it comes to church, we don't necessarily want to be in the low, unseen place. We want to be in the high, visible place. And there's, a, there's something about God keeping you in an unseen place so he can do something inside of you so that he can end up using you for ultimately the purposes and the plans that he has for your life. But it first comes with being willing to say, God, I'm going to meet those needs And as we do, as we give him what we have, he leads, he guides, and he directs our steps. And I've noticed that there have been times in my life where I've felt stuck. It's like, God, I don't know why I can't seem to get moving, or I don't know where my place is within the local church. I'm not sure what you're asking me to do. Can I just encourage you, if you've ever felt that way, part of it may be is because you just haven't started moving yet. You have to give the Lord something to work with. You have to be willing to say, okay, God, if there's a need, I'm not sure if this is the perfect place for me, but I'm going to put my hands to it. Whatever I have, I'm going to give to you, and he will then lead and guide and direct us exactly where we need to go. But it's our move first. It could be something as simple as you're in the foyer. You see a garbage can that's overflowing. It's like, wow, that trash seems to be overflowing. I guess somebody should pick it up. I mean, it's okay to grab the trash and take it out. It's like, hey, there's a need in front of me. I'm going to fill it. I'm going to meet it. Some of us, you know, we've raised kids. We've, we've, we've cleaned butts before because we've raised babies. It's like, man, they might need helping kids. They might need help wiping butts. And you're going to be the best baby booty butt wiper the Keystone Church has. Because there's a need and you're just going to meet it. You're going to do whatever you can practically to see a need and be willing to do it under the glory of God. It's the attitude of simply wherever we go as believers, we wash feet. Second way we can serve and love like Christ is to stay willing and humble. Listen, when we're serving with the right heart, truthfully, nobody needs to know about it. Because when we serve, it's not about you. It's not about me. When you're serving with the right heart, it's not about your gift. It's not about whether you get recognition or whether you get accolades for it. It's about building others, meeting their needs, and serving God for his glory. But I've also noticed it's not just simply about actions. It's about attitude. It's, it's having a perspective. You know, God, you've created me. You've gifted me. I have a chance to use what I have for your glory. I have the opportunity to show the love of Jesus wherever I go with whatever it is that you do. It doesn't matter what your profession is. You have the opportunity to influence and impact someone with the gospel of Jesus. Serving is not something that we do. A servant is who I am. That's what Jesus was modeling and displaying for us. Please don't miss that. 
Serving is just not an action. It's not just something that you do. Servants are who we are called to be. Parents, if you want to know, we're raising two kids, how to display this kind of lifestyle to those around you. If you want your kids to serve Christ, we need to model how we love Jesus. If we want our families to serve, we have to be willing to say, God, we're going to serve. We're going to be involved. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure we're showing our family this is how we love. This is how we lead. And the beautiful thing is, it's, it's, again, comes back to the attitude, comes back to the perspective. Not that I have to go to church. It's I get to go to church. Not that I have to serve or, man, this is what I've got to do this weekend. No, I finally have the opportunity to do something for God's glory and to honor him. And when they see it, what I've noticed is, is when kids see families and they get excited about church because parents get excited about church. They're behind it because it's like mom and dad are involved and I want to be involved in it too. And all of a sudden it's like, man, it's just not going to church. It's this is my church. I have some ownership here. I'm starting to form an identity around the giftings and the talents and the opportunity to serve that the Lord has given me. And number three, we have to start somewhere. If you want to know how we serve and love people like Christ, we, we, we have to start somewhere. We have to put our hands to something. And I just would, would love to tell you, as a church, when I mentioned earlier that one of our core values is that we exist to serve others. It means that we're not just spiritual consumers, we're contributors. It means that the church doesn't simply exist for us. It means that we are the church and we exist for the world. We exist for the world, for those that are hurting, for the needs that need to be met. It's the whole reason I'm mentioning Serve Day next Saturday. It's just doing our part as a local church to help meet practical needs and display the love of Christ to those around us. And I promise this weekend it's not a recruiting pitch or for anybody that's saying, well, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm serving yet or where I should serve. Listen, this is not a guilt trip and there's never going to be any pressure here as a church for, for you to take a next step in that direction. But can I tell you that I truthfully believe as a pastor that you could be missing out on God's best for your life if you're not willing to give him what's in your hand so that he can use it for his glory. And all of us, our giftings, our talents, our abilities, our skill sets are each unique. But I do believe if we'll take a step towards the Lord, he will lead and guide us and grow us to the place where he wants us to go. I mentioned this before we went into quarantine a few months back. But the first and second Sunday of every month, we do something called Connect. It's our way of helping people at our church that calls Keystone Church home to take some next steps, to say, okay, this is what we believe is a church. This is how we take a next step towards serving in an area. It's the first two Sundays of every month. We're not doing it in July, but it's going to kick back into gear in August, and we're going to continue to point people in that direction. As soon as the fall starts back up and school happens again in the fall, we're going to be launching life groups which are going to be small groups of people that get together in different people's homes and study the word together, or spend time with one another as couples and grow in their walk with Christ. And I'm going to encourage some of you to pray and consider leading a group in the fall because you're great with people and you're going to have an opportunity to serve families in a way that you never have before. Well, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what I would say. I've never taught as a small group before. Listen, I get it, but if you'd be willing 
to take a step and just start somewhere. I believe God would open up doors and do things in and through your family that perhaps you've prayed that he would do that you've never experienced just yet. I'll say it again. When we serve others, God changes lives, but oftentimes the first life that he changes is ours. When we say that we're willing to serve. And what do we get out of it? Like, what's, what's my part? God, if I serve, if I start to take a step and I put my hand to something, what happens? You get the thrill of being used by God. You get the thrill of knowing that the Lord's using what you have and he's, he's turning it into something more. And what I've noticed in my own life is simply this, that when you spend every waking moment, if we just live our life me-centered, focusing on ourselves, it's, it's gonna be, you're going to feel very empty on a daily basis because it's not just about us, but if you invest your life in others, God will draw greatness out of you because the word says the greatest is the one who is a servant. It's a blessing to be able to use your life to impact someone else. And I would just want to brag on a couple people here in this room. I know that we don't have a, a full house here this morning, a lot of people traveling, but I will tell you this. I look around the room, I see Amanda Caldwell in the back. Amanda helps on our production team. And her, her husband Jim plays the cajon, the little box that he slaps every week to make the sound for worship. Does an amazing job. But I, I, this family, I mean, they've been so willing from day one just to, to learn, to serve, and jump in. And Amanda's like, I don't know how to work all the stuff back there, but I'm going to figure it out. If there's a solution, I'm going to find it. Sarah, she's a student in the back, and she helps put all the scriptures on the screen and make sure that what we have going as far as production works smoothly. But I love their heart because they're just saying, God, I'm willing, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to figure it out. Right now, we've got our kids that are being taught the Word of God while we're in here together. And Debbie Sincala, if you've ever met her, you may not have because she's working with kids on a weekly basis. But she has such a heart to just teach the next generation and invest and serve. And it's just been open-handed. Just, God, whatever I can do, however I can help, I'm going to use what I have for your glory. I could mention so many other names as well, but it's just cool to see the innocence. And I just know as a young church, as a church that's just getting started, if we'll just give God what we have, I believe that he will bless us with exponentially more. And I'm just noticing in my own life, I could just tell you time after time after time, it's, it's not about, in my own life, I can just say that it hasn't been always the, the glamorous thing that I've aimed towards, just being willing to say, God, if there's a need, if there's an opportunity for me to serve, I, I'll be the one. I'll step into that spot. I'll do what I can. And then you let God take it from there. When we have eyes to see, ears to hear and a heart to care and you see needs that can be met I believe our lives will never be the same and just like Jesus that's willing to wash the feet of his disciples we can say God I'll do that whatever that need is I'll be the one we'll see the need we'll stay willing and humble and we'll start somewhere and I believe if we take that posture and we present ourselves to the Lord in that way He's going to take it. He's going to get the credit. He's going to get the glory. And our lives and the lives of others will be changed. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified each week as soon as a new sermon is available. 
We would love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Keystone Church or over on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Keystone Church PA. And of course, for more information, you can visit our website at keystonechurchpa.com.